All right, everybody, welcome to Studio B. I am your host, Pastor NDH. Thank you so very much for joining us here again on the set. Uh, we thank you so much for your fellowship, for your viewership, and those who like, uh, subscribe, and comment to the podcast here on Studio B. Make sure that no matter where you're watching us from, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, uh, that you do like, follow, subscribe, and comment. And no matter where you access your podcast from, Pandora, Spotify, Google, Apple Music, you can find Studio B on those same platforms. Uh, today, uh, we have a very, very special guest in the studio um, today, and I'll kind of get to where this was and how we got to this place, because uh, I think it's interesting that, and I've never told you this, um, but as I began to start thinking about our conversation on Sunday, um, really kind of led me to some very personal examples about the topic that we'll be discussing okay. uh, here today. So joining us here in the set on the set today is Miss Paula Gathers. And uh, she is very, very special to the ministry, um, has been a part of the ministry in several different capacities over a number of the years with Pathways to Success in Louisiana. <laughs> I know you've been a part of that, what, three or four times since we've yes. done that, um, sharing her story and inspiring youth um, to reach to greater heights. But thank you for joining us here on the set of Studio B. How are you doing today? Good morning, and thank you. I'm glad to be present so that I can bring about colon cancer awareness. Colon cancer awareness. And that's what we'll be talking about um, today. My studies have really um, yielded some very surprising results um, as I started looking at this a few days ago. Um, and as I begin to start looking at it, Sister Gathers, I've, um, there are some personal examples right here in the ministry mm -hmm. um, that have been um, affected by. We had a brother, a good dear brother of the ministry, uh, transition um, to glory last year. Um, with stage four of colon cancer. Um, another minister here was diagnosed, praise God, they got it in the pre-stages of it, mm -hmm. where it had not done any uh, hard damage. But this is something that is very prevalent. And as I begin to start researching this stuff, this thing is kind of going under the radar because you don't hear a lot about it. Correct. So let's let's start this off, off uh, by first just kind of giving us a little bit about yourself and what you do, how you got here, and how you became a representative of colon cancer. Okay. Um, I was a registered nurse for 37 years, so I kind of ventured out into school nursing, home health, quality care, uh, intensive care, cardiac cath lab, where we look at the heart, bronchoscopy, where we look in your lungs, uh, intervention radiology, where we look at any vessels in your body and different organs, and endoscopy, where is the GI system, where we uh, go from your mouth down to your rectum. Um, before Katrina, I was a nurse rotating between GI lab, cath lab, bronch, and intervention radiology. After Katrina, uh, our veterans was displaced, so we had to find places for them to get their procedures done. So we was doing consult management with uh, getting them out in the community and different hospitals to get their procedures done. And what we found out is that is our veterans was falling behind in the time that they were uh, test was positive in order to get the colonoscopy, which should be within 60 days. So it was like months and so forth on. So we finally got together with a group of uh, doctors and nurses and um, the chief of uh, the lab, pathology, and we all got together and came up with this plan so that we can get all our veterans you know, done within 60 days. So from that point, we 
developed an outpatient surgery center at the VA so that we could do different procedures and stop sending the veterans everywhere. And I became uh, a team leader and I ended up being, eventually being the manager. And what I found out is that, okay, so we're doing these procedures and we got breast cancer awareness, lung cancer, and they're doing all the different things, and GI Tech Day and all of that. So I said, well, okay, so what is it with colon cancer? Because uh, there's got to be something. So colon cancer came about in March 2010. They just started making it an awareness month. Mm. So when I finally looked it up, it was like almost May. Okay, so we can't do it this year. So the next year after that, I started uh, doing this awareness at the hospital where I would go around and put up signs, put up displays, uh, different fruits and, and vegetables and type of things you should eat, information, passing out things. We gave out ribbons, the armbands, and uh, a whole lot of information, mm-hmm. especially on a list of uh, high-fiber foods. And all the staff would wear blue. We had Blue Fridays. So we started getting the earrings, the shoestrings, everything. So when somebody goes somewhere, they ask you, well, what are you wearing and why is that? Because I wasn't even aware of colon cancer as prevalent as it is because I was mostly focused on cardiology. Mm -hmm. So even though by being a medical person, I really didn't like, okay, like most people, I'm not sick, so I'm not worried about it. Yeah. And as we got into it, we could see that all ages from 25 to 80 are the ages that we have scoped people that have had colon cancer. And um, so I'm very passionate about that. So I started coming to the church and doing it uh, in March, once a month, a month. And I just want more people to be aware because it's on a back burner and nobody thinks about it until it happens to you or someone that you know. Well, and, and Sister Paula, you are exactly right because even as I started doing our research to prepare for our podcast today and I started looking at uh, some of these cases. Um, of course, I went to cancer.org, the American Cancer uh, Society, and as of March the 5th of this year, uh, there have been 104,270 new cases of colon cancer and just of last week, in two th- not 2020, right. this is 2021. And 45,000 uh, 230 of rectal cancer. Exactly. And and so these numbers are like, you know, jumping off of the screen. They also said that lung cancer, of course, is the leading cause of cancer death with 139,000 people that died. But second behind that is colon cancer. Is colon cancer. And, of course, we've had some very high notable people over the last couple of years. Uh, many of us know Chadwick Bozeman, um, mm-hmm. who suffered with colon cancer and died at the age of 43. Um, and little do we know that when he was doing Black Panther, um, that he was going through those colon cancer treatments because they called it at stage three, and it took him out very, very quickly. So w- why do you think it is going under the radar the way that it is? I mean, we talk about colon, I mean, we talk about lung cancer, breast cancer, and all those other things. Why is colon cancer kind of going under the radar? Because nobody's really focusing on it until people like Chadwick Bowman dies with colon cancer and everybody's becoming aware. Because if you're not sick, uh, having bowel problems or someone in your family, no one is thinking about it at all. And I came to realize how severe it was by working in that part of the healthcare system. Um, What I don't like is that 
I buy a lot of things online for colon cancer awareness. And what I noticed is that some of the companies that I purchase things from have discontinued a lot of the products that I used to buy. So I contacted one of the CEOs of it, and he said, you know, not many people were purchasing it, so there was no need to keep making those mm-hmm. items. And that's just happened within the last five years. So that was very disheartening to me. I mean, I'm trying to get awareness, and the products that I'm trying to use to get awareness, they're not making anymore because nobody cares about colon cancer. Now, can I, can I talk about, we'll, we'll get into some of the specifics of it yeah. because I think it's very important um, that we talk about this in, in, in very, very practical terms. So when we talk about colon cancer and checking for colon cancer, there is a procedure to check for colon cancer. And that procedure uh, for a lot of men, and I'm just talking about men in particular, mm-hmm. as I know it's not specifically for men, women get colon cancer as well. Um, but that whole process of going to check for colon cancer to a lot of men is a very nauseating experience. So talk about that a little bit, about how to get over that that hurdle of going to check for colon cancer before it gets too late. Okay, first you can uh, go to your primary care doctor, and he can order a fit test or the Cologuard like you see on television, and that you can do the stool test at home and mail it back in. Now, if that stool test comes back positive, you have to have a colonoscopy because we need to see where in that colon that you uh, are positive at. Uh, men has been my greatest one, because I work at the VA, so 99% of my patients are men. Mm. And you get all kind of excuses. Well, nobody's going to go up my rectum, and oh, nobody's going to change me. I'm going to change. No, you're not going to be gay by getting a... (laughs) 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 Really, they say that. No, ain't nobody going up there. Okay. Okay. I said, well, you don't mind colon cancer staying up there, do you? Okay. So I had to come up with this... uh, thing, okay, you can't check your battery unless you raise the hood. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there are some other tests that most insurance companies don't pay for, virtual colonoscopy, um, barium enemas, but barium enemas is not going to show exactly where the colon is and things like that. And um, taking pills and, and doing CT scans, but there's nothing like actually raising up the hood and checking that battery. So what is the process when you go and get checked for colon cancer? Okay, what is that process? Walk, walk, walk everybody through what that process looks like. Uh, for an actual colonoscopy, say I got a patient, and he came back positive from his Cologuard test. So he would, the doctor would refer him to a specialist, which is a GI, gastroenterologist, and uh, they would set up the patient, talk with the patient, okay, so this is what your test results were. We need to do a colonoscopy so we can see what is going on. At that time, he would go and get teaching mostly from an unregistered nurse, and would teach him about what the procedure is, what the prep, and uh, what you can drink. And uh, Prep is one of the things that they don't like also, mm-hmm. because you can't eat. So they think for 24 hours you can't have solid food. I said, you're not going to die if you don't <laughs> eat for 24 hours. Okay. Now, we are considerate of our diabetics. We let them uh, like drink a liquid up until four hours before they proceed, just because we don't want their blood sugar to drop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But everybody else, after midnight, nothing by mouth. No candy, no gum, no peppermints, nothing like that by mouth. Um, and, and that's a lot of the things they don't. I'm going to starve, I'm going to starve. And, and we had some, here coming walking in with a cup of coffee. Oh, really? <laughs> First of all, oh, it's black. Okay, yes, but nothing by mouth. Mm. Okay. They'll come in eating food and like, okay, so you really didn't want to have this procedure done today. So we turn them away because if you eat and when you lay down and we put you to sleep, well, halfway sometimes you'd be like asleep 
And if you aspirate, which when food comes up and it'll go into your lungs, that's what you call aspiration. Mm. So we don't want that. So that was the reason why we tell them don't eat and don't drink after midnight, which they tell you after for OR procedures also. And another reason is that they don't like, um, how you say, they have to take off from work. Mm. Um, and a lot of jobs that they, if you don't work, you don't get paid. So some of them don't have the benefits. And you have to bring someone with you who has to be a caregiver. And a lot of times that person might have to take off work also. Mm. Okay. So they don't want to do that. And then 24 hours after you have your procedure, then you could go back to your regular lifestyle. You can't make any legal decisions. Um, no, uh, I don't want to say this. Mm. <laughs> go ahead, say it. They need to know. This, this is an informative podcast. Tell them. We need to tell them. Okay. So you can't make any legal decisions, and we don't want you eating any spicy foods and drinking alcohol. Okay. So your first meal after that has to be something soft, like mashed potatoes, eggs, grits, stuff like that. After your first meal, then we can tell that if, if you're having any problems, it wasn't caused by the food. Mm-hmm. It has something to do with the procedure. After that, you can eat your regular food. So they don't like that they can't eat right away. And I've got to go get my po' boy, and I'm going to go get my fried fish. And you can get that later on. So compliance is also a part of uh, people so that how long, do. So how long after that procedure do you get results back after uh, they've done the colonoscopy? Okay. When you finish the colonoscopy, the doctor will come and tell you what he found during the procedure. He should give you a written report with color pictures and markings that show where you had uh, polyps or diverticulitis. That's when you have pouches in the colon or anything that they found, any, anything that they found in the colon. So you're going to get color pictures, and he's going to go over that with you after the procedure. Mm. Now, if we take biopsies or take out any polyps or anything, that has to go to pathology. That takes anywhere from 48 hours to uh, 72 a week, just like depending on the place. So um, if you an outside place, you might have to send your results off to an outside lab, so it might take longer to get back. What was very good about the VA system, we have ours all incorporated, so you know you get it pretty fast right there, the VA system. But once you get those results back, he will let you know whether or not what type it is, is this benign, where it's just you know a growth, you don't have to worry about it. Uh, and if there is cancerous, then the pathologist will stage it and let you know like this looks like stage one or stage two and so on. So they'll come back and do, you know, staging. If we find anything that looks suspicious, what we do is we tattoo. We will mark inside the colon where we found that in case that person has to have surgery. The surgeon knows where to go mm-hmm. and look you know for exactly it. where to go. Right. Yeah. Okay. okay. So let me ask you. So, okay. So when some, uh, our discussion on Sunday uh, here at the church, um, one of the things that about this colon cancer that is, I don't want to say frightening, but alarming, I think I guess is a better word, is that a lot of times it can be asymptomatic. Sure. And so um, even with a good friend of ours here at the church who went on to be with Glory, uh, be the, uh, transferring to Glory, um, he didn't, when, by the time that they found his, he was in stage four. So he had no physical symptoms, no no type of outward things that he um, just kind of, just one of those kind of things where one thing led to another, and by the time they had found it, he was already in stage four. And that's, I guess that's one of the most alarming things about colon cancer is that it can be asymptomatic. Signs and symptoms, number one, 
often no symptoms at all. So usually like you're in stage one or two, you're not going to have anything. By the time you get symptomatic, you are in stage three or four. That's why we're trying to stress. It used to be a long time ago. At age 60, you get your colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. Then it dropped to 50. And the African-Americans was always a five-year earlier because it's more aggressive in us. So now... Now why? What, why? It, I don't want to say our, our lifestyle... Uh, Foods we eat and stuff like right, that. Right, mm-hmm, things like that, and being sanitary, not exercising, mm-hmm. um, overweight. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have this acronym I use called Honda patients. That means you're hypertensive, obese, non-compliant, alcoholic, diabetic. Okay. Wow. So, and if you're a Honda Prelude, that acts that adds on psych issues. So a wow. lot of a lot of patients fall into that Honda. You know, a lot of hypertensive, diabetes, and so they're just not really compliant. Um, uh, especially when it comes, I have to, let me confess, I've had two colonoscopies I'm due again next year. The first one, I tell you, anxiety, I put the A in anxiety, mm. and it wasn't the procedure, it was the prep, because back then you used to have to drink this big old gallon called Go Lightly. You could get it in flavors, so I said, okay, I'm going to get the cherry. I haven't drank Cherry 7-Up since (laughs) 2002. (laughs) And it was just, you drink half of it starting in the evening. Okay, you drink half of it. And then you have to get up in the middle of the night, depending on what time your procedure is, at least four hours before your procedure, to drink the other half to finish cleaning your system out. I cheated. (laughs) I, I was chewing on a peppermint. And I and I got to the extreme. I took a shot of vodka. I said, okay, this is clear. <laughs> I mean, I was horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. So now it's not as much volume. You can get Movi Prep, which is another one, which just has two small bottles. And they tell you drink four glasses of water after each one. But when you open it up, oh, it smells great. Okay, oh, I can get through this. I drank that. And I called every name I could think of. I was on the floor. Lord Jesus, help me. Yeah. Because it just... Tasted horrible. I said, okay, this one horrible day can save your life. So get over it, drink it, and get on with it. So, you know, holding my nose, drinking with a straw. And for me, by being a healthcare person, and I know better, so I just forgot about being a nurse. I was totally a patient. Mm. So, and I can identify with patients that don't want to take it, don't want the volume, but you have to look at it. Okay, so what's the risk if you don't do it? Okay. So, um, and, and, and that's a lot of things we have to tell the patients, you know, okay, it's, it's going to be horrible, some of it. And sometimes people say, oh, it's okay with me. So everybody tastes buds. It's different. But we let them know in advance, you know, it may not taste good. But make, make sure you drink a lot of water afterwards. So if you, if you catch it in the early stages, how treatable or preventative is it? If you catch it in the early stages. Like if, if somebody says, okay, they went and got it, and then they hear those dreaded words, you have cancer. Those, those dreaded words that'll send chills down anybody's spine. What's the life cycle after you hear those words? Uh, it's going to depend on what stage you're in. So like some, some of them, we might take it out when we do the biopsy and take the polyps out, and they might not need extensive surgery or anything like that. So if we catch them in stage one just as the polyps being formed, okay, and they might not need any treatment, they have to come back and have another colonoscopy, say, within a year or something like that. And it also depends on if you have one polyp and you're pretty well healthy, you don't have to come back for five years. If you have three polyps or more, they're going to make you come back within three to five years, depending on what the pathology said, what that polyp was, whether it was cancerous or not. If you're clean and you don't have anything, 
you don't have to come back for 10 years. Now, beginning at age 75, it's between the doctor decides that, okay, if you're still healthy and nothing's going on, that you can still have a, a colonoscopy. I had a patient that was 80, and he had three polyps. So I asked the doctor, I said, so he's supposed to come back in five years, so if he's still living at 85, what are we going to do? So he said, well, we'll just see what's going on with him at that time. If he's not having any problems and he's feeling fine, and his uh, stool sample is negative, then we're not going to make him have another colonoscopy. So they're trying to cut off the age at like age 80, depending on what's going on with the person as to whether or not they're going to continue doing a colonoscopy. Um, but... So, so Sister Paul, I want to get to this one because... Um, Which one you got? The, the, the food one. <laughs> okay, because, again, you know, when, when I have guests on, on here in the studio, I want to make sure that I'm trying to be in as well as formed, informed as I possibly can. Um, this, this, this colonoscopy, this, this colon cancer um, is quite a big deal. And I know even in African-Americans, I don't want to specifically stay at African-Americans, but I know it affects us differently than do um, other ethnicities. And I think we need to chisel out some time to specifically talk about those issues in the African-American community right. that really on research that I've done hinder around or hinge around, you know, diet, as you said, exercise mm -hmm. and things of that nature. But men in general don't like doctors. Right. They, they don't like to go. They will only go if they're on their last leg. They can't move. They're, you know, the Tylenol ain't working. <laughs> sleep ain't working. Then they will go. Men have, for whatever reason, uh, have a natural distrust about doctors. So how do you get past that for the man and say, I know that this is what this is the wall that we built up, but how do you help a man get past the initial fear? And some of it is fear and the distrust of actually going to a doctor. What's that process of encouraging that man who's watching, who needs to have the colonoscopy, mm -hmm. who needs to have these particular things done, but is very apprehensive about going to a doctor? How would you encourage him? What we usually do is I ask, okay, so what is making you not want to have it? Okay, so, and you'd be surprised. Some of them say, okay, it's financial reasons. Because if I find out I'm positive, it's going to put a burden on my family. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Uh, next one is, um, I don't feel like changing my lifestyle because I'm not, I'm not having any problems right now. I said, okay, so when you do have those problems, it's going to be a little bit too late because you're going to be in stage three or three, four. So if I ask it, first of all, what do you feel about your health? How do you feel about yourself, about taking care of yourself? Are you a priority to your, is a health priority to you? Because I can bring you to the water, but I can't make you drink, okay? So I need to know what's, what's fearing you. So some say, well, main one, I don't like the access going up my rectum. Okay, so what is it about that you don't like? I say, because it, to get a prostate exam, the doctor still has to stick his finger up your rectum, especially if you're at PSA, your blood test for a prostate comes back high, you still have to see whether or not you enlarge and things like that. So a lot of that is just like, I don't, and some of them have had bad experiences because you got healthcare workers and you got bad apples everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had doctors that I've worked with and I looked at them tell one patient, okay, white patient had the same thing as this black patient, how he went, how he disgusted with him, how he was, his attitude with him, his bedside manner. Three cases later, we have this black person, same thing, and his whole attitude and 
bedside manner was completely changed. So everybody was like, okay, so okay. by the third time he did that, we all like, oh, he, he prejudiced? What's going on here? So I asked him, I said, well, Doc, um, help me understand, is there a protocol or a way that you discuss things with your patients that's going on? I said, because with Mr. A, you took time to do this, this and that, and explain to his wife. I said, well, Mr. B, he was just like, well, this, don't even care. I said, same thing with the C and D. So it kind of brought him to his attention because a lot of people, a lot of guys don't like doctors because you're not upfront with them. They don't explain what they can understand. Mm -hmm. And I have to let them know, everybody's not medical in tune like you. You have to break it down. And then some people with a language barrier, some of our doctors have heavy accents. Mm -hmm. Some of our patients don't understand. And if it's not broken down where they can understand it, then I ask all my Spanish patients, do you have somebody that can help break it down where you can understand it in your language because you might not be perceiving how I'm explaining it? So I, I get that and help them do that with that. But guys is just like it's your uh, how you want threatening my manhood. Now, okay. not, 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 now you <laughs> now you on Main Street, okay? Okay, because yeah. now yeah. you on Main Street, and 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 I believe that that's something that we have to address. That's the elephant in the room, okay? Mm -hmm. So I know it may seem ridiculous to some, um, but that is how a lot of guys perceive this mm -hmm. particular procedure. Right as a threatening that, to my manhood because that part of that part back there is off limits to everybody no matter what mm -hmm. right and that's just how some men uh, uh, view that but in regards to getting them past that because this is such a serious issue we have to be able to encourage them past that fear and anxiety and so with Cancer Awareness Month, Colon Cancer Awareness Month, we need to be trying to tell our men that, and what we've tried to do here at the church, and let me just share this with you, a couple of years ago, we wanted to put together a basketball tournament um, with a large major prize. But the only thing, you wouldn't have to pay a fee to get in it. Mm -hmm. You would have to have a colonoscopy to, to uh, enroll in this particular basketball. That was a good idea. Um, and, and then we had some some prizes and stuff like that. Here's the problem, <laughs> we had nobody registered. <laughs> nobody registered. Everybody wanted to play basketball, but they would rather play, they would rather pay a registration fee to participate in this basketball tournament than to go get a colonoscopy. And so that's how heightened this fear is among men about this very serious issue. And so there are some things that we have to talk about in order to get people off of that ledge. Like it's not a, it's not a, and I think it, I, I had a good friend uh, that I talked to yesterday and he was very honest with me. He said, I would just rather not know. Okay. I would just rather not know because if I know, too many things have to change right. after I know. And I thought about that. At first, when I heard it, I was like, man, that's crazy. But then as I began to start thinking about that, that's a very real concern for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I would just rather not know. Like, if I, if I go to glory, I go to glory. But if I do know, too many things have got to change financially, lifestyle. So many things have got to change. So as you're walking through this preventative stuff, Okay, first of all, let's try to encourage these men and all of these women, uh, women not necessarily because women kind of gravitate to doctors, right. <laughs> but, but men, we need to encourage you um, that you need to get this procedure done. You need to go and have the colonoscopy. Or first you said do the test, right? The color right. guard. Right. Okay, and that's something that you can order online or no, what, what is that? No, your doctor has prescribed that. Okay, so you go to your doctor. Right. 
and give the give us that process. You go to your doctor and then you do what? Well, when you go to your primary care doctor, especially if you're uh, age 40 and you have a family history or you're age 45, because the doctor may not know your family history, which a lot of us don't know our family histories because they didn't tell us what they have. Um, or there's one side of your family history that's right, missing? missing. Right. Okay. So you don't know. So... Um, you know, so, okay, so I don't know my family history. In fact, I don't know my father's side, so I don't know my family history, so I'm just going on me as a person. Okay. Okay, so when you go, okay, so, Doc, I'm 45. I need to have a, col- a screening colonoscopy. Okay. And most ins- all insurance companies will pay for your first screening colonoscopy. Okay, now say that again. All insurance companies, including Medicare and Medicaid, will pay for your screening colonoscopy. Okay, That's your you first that? one. That's okay. your first one. That's your first one. So if you weren't about paying for it, for your first one, they'll, they'll pay for that. Everything okay. else just falls into how your insurance regulates okay. everything. Okay. okay. So they will pay for that. Uh, we also have support systems. We'll have a nutritionist to talk with you about diet. We'll have the doctors. We'll have an oncology nurse if it comes up that you're positive. Um, we have a social worker if you have you know issues with finance and things like that. And we also like, okay, so you go to your church, you can get your pastor involved, you know, to help give you more faith and more insight. So we try to get every, treat you as a whole, okay? So you have your wife, your kids, so you're worried about what's going to happen with them. So we try to look at the patient whole as a whole. So don't you feel like that you are alone because you're never alone. Mm. You have a whole lot of support system. You just have to let go. I tell my patients, let go and let God, mm. okay? Which, I ha- which you have to do. And uh, it's, it's hard. So if you feel like it's going to threaten your manhood, so okay, so you're not confident as being a man that if I could put a scope up your behind that you're no longer a man? So t- <laughs> I mean, so there. So what lets me think that, you know, what, tell me what's going to, your manhood. So I can work around it. Let's talk about what, what is it that's threatening your manhood mm. because nobody is supposed to be back there. Right. But cancer is back there. So yeah. how am I going to get it out? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. So, okay, so now let's talk about this thing that you got here. This We, we have a list here. So <laughs> is this preventative or is this once the once it has been diagnosed or is it a combination of both? Both. Mostly preventative. Like I'll have young people come because I do health fairs. We used to go to health fairs and churches. And they have the young, well, I'm too young, yes, but what about your grandmother, your parents and, and, and neighbors and cousins and like that? So now is the time for you to start eating high-fiber foods because high-fiber foods can help with constipation, with your high blood pressure, your diabetes. So it's not colon cancer, but eating a high-fiber diet where you need 30 to 40 grams of fiber a day. So get into the habit. You need 30 to what? 40 grams a day. A day? A day. Of high fiber? Of high fiber. Now, I can guarantee you that most people watching ain't getting that. Oh, I know. I know. I know. Because I, I, was, I was one of the ones. Cause I, and you go, you pick up stuff just like you look for sodium and sugar on products that you buy. Look and see how much fiber it has. Mm. Okay? Uh, Barilla has a protein high fiber spaghetti. They come in the yellow boxes, which is really good. Okay? Their products in the yellow boxes are really high in, you know, for, for fiber. And so you just think about some of the, over here we have fruits and vegetables. So apples with the skin, okay? Don't take your skin off your apples. Apples with the skin. So you got figs, bananas, blueberries, peaches, pears, plums, raspberries, strawberries. So there's a lot of variety out there that you can use as snacks instead of candy, donuts, Mm -hmm. and things Mm -hmm. like that. So you can switch to that. And a lot of beans and even nuts 
your cashews, your pecans, your almonds, your peanuts, pumpkin seeds. So those are things to snack on also that has fiber that you don't think about. So, so Paul, I want, you to, I want you to kind of stay here for a second because this is the untalked about thing. Our diet, what we are eating is killing us. Right. Uh, these processed foods that we're putting in our bodies, uh, the fast foods that we're intaking, all of this stuff, the foods that we're putting in our bodies are killing us. Our diets are absolutely horrible. horrible. And so just speak a little bit about that because this is one of the things that I'm even noticing. I, um, Those who have been watching know that I've done um, a, a 180 on my diet uh, since last year, and I take this very literally. So if the book of Psalms says that I'm given three score and 10 years, that's 70 years, I'll be 48 this year. That means if I take that literally, I know that's a principle more than it is a promise, but if I take that literally, I have 22 more good years on this earth. And so just kind of sitting down, thinking about my life, thinking about my kids, thinking about my future grandkids, I decided that, okay, with this amount of time, if I'm taking that literal, I've got to do something with the temple in which God has given me. Right. So I got to watch what I'm putting inside of my body. I got to be active. I got to, you know, I, I, I have a job to where I'm sitting behind a computer and a desk. So I have to make very, very intentional decisions to be active, to make sure that I'm drinking water, to I'm not putting these other things in my body. So I just want you to think about that and talk about that for a little bit to the people that are watching about our diets. How do you, how do you corral the easiness of the foods when we're driving down the street and we get a growl in our stomach? And it's very easy just to make that left into McDonald's. It's very easy to make that right into Popeye's and satisfy that hunger as opposed to going to the store and getting these things that you've laid up on your list right here. So talk about the diet a little bit and, and how important that is for our lives. Uh, nowadays we sell fast food because we don't want to cook like they used to do. Nobody mostly has home-cooked meals every day. Um, our lifestyle, we involved in this, involved in that, and not taking out time. Um, Drinking water, uh, have your little 32-ounce thing of water today and see that makes you complete that. Okay, so you have lunch break. Maybe you might have, be fortunate to have an hour lunch break. Okay, so take that other 30 minutes and just go walk for 30 mm-hmm. minutes. Everybody doesn't have to go to a gym. You'd be surprised yeah. how much you get in shape with just by walking. Just by walking. Just by walking. So you don't have to go out and get these expensive shoes, these all these little clothes and into the fitness stuff and that. Get out and walk. That's the number one thing. Get out and walk. And if you're not able to walk, they got these sit and be fit. Yeah, yeah. You, okay, so there's no excuses. They so, got yeah, sit and be fit. Get, there's okay? no, no, it's no excuses, <laughs> no right? No excuses. Okay, you can sit and be fit and walk. So that's uh-uh. so sit and be fit and be walk. But you don't have but the mother and the father are both working now. So when you come home from work, do you feel like cooking a whole meal. Mm-hmm. No, okay, let's order some Chinese food. Mm-hmm. Let's go get some Popeyes. So it's more of a convenience yeah, now. It's a convenience food. It's convenience food as for as healthy. It's expensive to eat healthy. You can go and get some red beans and sausage and some cornbread and stuff and for for that, you might only get one item under the healthy food. Now, now, so, now, <laughs> now stay there, Sister Paula, because that is a real thing. Yeah. It is expensive to, to eat, eat healthy. healthy. And that is, you know, even as I'm doing this stuff now, that is exactly right. When you're trying to find things that are beneficial to your body, it is expensive. Right, because even when you go to get fruits, I remember when, like, 25 cents a pound for bananas. A dollar 25 for bananas mm. now. One peach costs this much. I mean, a dollar 85 a pound. So, you know, it's like deterrent. 
mm-hmm. for people that don't can't afford, especially if you have a family of six or seven, and you're trying to buy fruits and vegetables, you know, to feed your family. Um, greens, uh, cooking, you know, greens and beans and stuff like that. It might take time. So you might want to cook the night before, excuse me, like we used to do back in the day, mm-hmm. put your beans on the night before, your greens. So you don't have to start cooking ahead. I used to do that for my kids because I worked at work long hours. So I would cook the next meal the day when I got home. So that would be for the next day. So you have to kind of come with ends and help each other out. So you have older kids, the spouse, the husband, you're not the only, you have to help out too. Kids can prepare, help prepare things. So it's all about making time to cook and also having the money because it's so expensive to eat healthy. And, and, and let me tell you a, a crazy, no, it's not crazy, it was, it was really eye-opening. In my travels around the world, like in Africa, when you go to Africa, they eat very natural, homegrown foods. It's all natural. So a banana in Africa tastes completely different than a banana in America, completely different. But you'll see that these things that are very, very prevalent in America, these, these cancers and things of the nature that we battle in America, they're not battling those same things in Africa. No. Um, the foods that they eat are so organic, um, and, and it's grown right there in the backyard, and, and they, they feed their entire families, they feed their entire villages. And so when you're looking at this whole thing about list of high-fiber foods and being very intentional about my diet, on the preventative side, I think it's something that this could be a whole show by itself. So when you're talking about this and how it connects to colon cancer, what's the benefits of this being a daily routine of my life? Is it going to cut down drastically on me getting colon cancer or me being diagnosed? Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. So this high fiber foods that you put here, avocados, tomatoes, (laughs) wheat bread, bran cereal, oats, rice, dry brown, strawberries, bananas, nuts and cashews, almonds, all of these things will help to not get a positive on a colon test. Right. It'll help you. And it also also would help with the high cholesterol, high blood pressure. So they just don't think of a colon cancer because it's a well-balanced thing for diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, heart disease. So a well-balanced diet and high-fiber foods kind of helps the whole body. So in, in, in the African-American community where we suffer a lot with diabetes, uh, high blood pressure, cholesterol, um, a lot of that stuff. Now, let me ask you this before I go to that. Is colon cancer, is that uh, hereditary? Some of it is, but not mostly all of it. There's like about four types of hereditary colon cancer. Hold on, I got the list. Four types of uh, colon cancer that can be hereditary. Uh, we have what we call oncogenes in our body, and these cells help the grow, divide, and stay alive. They help your body cells grow, divide, and stay alive. Then you have the tumor suppressor cells. These are ones that help keep the keep the cell division under control and cause the cells to die at the certain time that they're supposed to now, die. Now, we all have these things already? Every, uh, it's already in everybody's body. Okay. So then you have the mutation of these cells. So where you might have the mutation where it turns off the carnal genes that help divide the cells and keep them going. And then they can get out of control. Or you can have a mutation of the tumor suppressor cells that they're not doing that, so you know that grows. So that's what's called, can be hereditary. And they have the Gardner syndrome is where the, uh, the, the tumor cells isn't keeping the growth in check, or the, the, keeping the cells in check 
And so they just kind of like keep growing and growing, and you can have over hundreds of polyps in your body, and those can develop into cancer. And then with the lint syndrome, that's normally as a cell that repairs itself and allows the DNA to go on error, and it's not checking that, and then the growth regulation genes may, may go into cancer. Then so, Sister Paula, you, you're saying that all of these cells that are in our body are fighting these things are in all of our bodies right now. Mm-hmm. And God is amazing. Right. Yeah, that is amazing. So the only times that they're not doing it right is when they start mutating. And not everybody has mutated, gets mutated. But you can have different type of four mutations in your cells. And so if you have a family, say your grandfather, your father, uncles, cousins, so they all end up with colon cancer. So you might want to tell your doctor, okay, so I have a family history of colon cancer. Mm. So let's do a genetic study. Okay. My grandfather and his sons all had colon cancer. So when my oldest son turned 45, I said, okay, you got to go to your primary care doctor tell him that there's a family history of men in the mm. family and get a colonoscopy. I think at that time it was like age 50 and they didn't want to do it. I said, well, how much is it going to cost? Because you need to have it done. Mm. So, you know, that's another thing where we need to know our family history, which we always don't. Mm-hmm. And everybody don't always tell you things. Oh, he died of locked bowels. That might have been he might have had colon cancer. Wow. Okay. So they don't tell you what they had. or So that's another problem. We don't know. We don't know who all has it. And so that's a part that even me on my side, as I, you know, as I kind of look at this, I don't have a, a history of cancer in my family, but there's one side of my family that I don't know about, okay. right? So I don't know what that side of the family have. I know this side of the family and all of the issues and concerns about this side of the family, but there's another side of my family that right. I have absolutely no information about. And so as I was kind of researching this stuff and trying to get my, you know, my thoughts together, uh, like I told you on Sunday, I have an appointment with my doctor, my PCP, on uh, the second week of April, and I'm going to go ahead and ask for that test uh, to be done uh, because the research in, in which I'm coming on to is, is um, I don't have any symptoms at all. I, I, I feel good. I, I'm high energy. I can, I can do a whole lot of things, but I don't want to take this stuff for granted. Okay. I would much rather hear, no, you don't, mm-hmm. than yes, you do. Right. And so I want to encourage the men that are looking and and watching. And again, I'm not just specifying this just to men as women are um, afflicted with this as well. But I understand that women are 75 percent more likely to go to a doctor than men are. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like a woman can get a headache and bam, straight to the doctor. A man can have a headache for five years and won't go to the doctor. So how do you, so what, what would be the, the, the goal of Colon Cancer Awareness Month? Is there, is there like we're, we're going to get, you know, 5 million people to get tested in the U.S.? I mean, what's the goal of Colon Cancer Awareness? Well, actually, there was a Colon Cancer Roundtable uh, that came out in 2018, and their goal was to have 80% of the United States uh, screened. And I think some states did well better than other states, and... Um, we got just about got to that goal was trying to get 80% people screened. So it was really aggressive going out, making sure that all the primary care doctors talk to their patients about it. Like they just go and they just get a checkup. Okay, so let's look at this patient. He's age 45. What should he, what kind of test, health test should he be getting at this age? He's age 50 and things like that. So there had to be more focus with the primary care doctors in evaluating your patient and seeing what is needed for their health at this point in life. 
otherwise it used to just be if I go with a complaint mm. and they would take care of it. If you didn't complain, you're like, don't, not, what, not broke, don't fix it. So they weren't focusing on your total health unless most people came with something was wrong. How you say you wait till you got death warm over, then you go into the doctor's office and want a miracle? Yes, that's what we were doing. Um, so, so, so I want you to I want you to do okay. We talked about the asymptomatic part, but let's talk about some of the symptoms and signs that may okay. say I need to go get this check. What are some of the signs and symptoms that may be accompanied with colon cancer? Okay, it's not just one occurrence because some people can get cramps, gas pains, or have diarrhea depending on what you ate or something like that. But if it's a reoccurrence, okay. You can have bright red blood in your stools. Now, if you're on iron pills, your stool is going to be dark. Mm. Or if you eat green leafy vegetables, you know, all your greens and things like that, you can turn your stool dark. So if you look and you see you have dark stool, kind of think, did I eat anything to make it turn this way? Or am I on iron pills? So if you're not, then that's you need should be concerned about that. So call your doctor. I need to have a test done because my stool has changed colors. So now it has the, gotten skinny. It's now, no longer fat. It's gotten now skinny. Now that's interesting because one of the things that I that I looked at is that they said that you got to do the look back. Right. So after you get off of the toilet doing your business, you got to look back. Look back and look mm. at the at your toilet tissue when you wipe yourself. Mm. Okay. So a lot of people they don't even look back. No, but you need to see what your stool looks like so you can know if there's changes in your stool. Wow. If you're using having Fat stool and not skinny. Okay, so, uh, you know, those are, that's, that's a sign. Okay, so if your stool narrows, if you have blood in it, if you're constipated a lot, if you have diarrhea a lot, a lot of abdominal pains, are uh, you weak and tired, are you losing weight and you're tra- not trying to lose weight? Mm-hmm. Okay, so by the time you get to those stages, you, you know, it's stage three probably, or stage four. Now, what is the color of the stool? Now, you said if it's dark? Dark, I can say, tar- tarry looking. You know how tar look or asphalt, mm-hmm. you know, when it's uh, uh, when it's wet and mm-hmm. it's not dry okay. yet? Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. So they have that kind of look. Wow. Or you can have some red streaks in it. Now, if you have hemorrhoids, you also need to be cognizant of that. Sometimes the red streaks might be where you're straining and your hemorrhoid starts bleeding. Mm. Okay. But if it's more than a tablespoonful, teaspoonful, then you need to be concerned. Wow. Wow. Okay. Wow. So those are some symptoms that you, and signs and symptoms that that we need to be aware of. Do the look back. And I know that sounds crazy that people say, examine your stool. Right. Like examine your stool. Like, you know, you do what you do, you do what you do, and then you leave. But do the look back. The look back is important right. so that you can kind of gauge where this thing are. And so if you see those things, the next step is to go ahead and call your primary care physician right. and then follow those particular steps. Right? right. Wow. The look back. So the look back, everybody, <laughs> the look back. Make sure you implement the look back. So I want to talk about at 45 years old, that's where you're saying that men should start getting... Everybody. Everybody. Everybody should do a colonoscopy around 45 years old, right? And you said that some of the prevention tips are maintaining healthy weight and being active, mm-hmm. right? So being active in your, and that's... Um, I don't want to go off on that tangent. <laughs> Just walking. Just walking. Just walking. And you don't have to join no gym membership. They, 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 they're taking PE out of, cl- out of schools right. now. 
That's why they came with that 60 minutes. Remember they was doing that 60 minute thing? Right. There is no PE and children are at home on the video games. Yeah. Nobody's outside playing yeah. ball. Nobody's yeah. riding their bicycles. Yeah. So our whole lifestyle is hurry up and wait, fast foods and, exactly. and sit down. So it, and, and everybody's jobs now with these computers. So you're sitting at your desk all day. Absolutely. You need to get up and stretch and walk around. Okay. Uh, have water at your station to drink instead of sodas and uh, juices and things like that. So you need more water and water is going to help keep up your uh, lubricate your, your stool system so that you're not constipated because when you're constipated, it's going to be hard. And that's when they look back. You're going to see mm. little balls and things like that. Mm. Okay, so if you're putting out little balls all at a time, then that means you're constipated. So you're not drinking enough water. And is constipation a sign of something Worse, or is it just kind of par for the course? Everybody gets constipated every once in a while. Everybody gets constipated once in a while. But if you're always constipated, then let's let's see what's going on wrong. Now, when you say oh, okay, let's let's talk about frequency. What's what's always constipated? You go once or twice a week. Wow. Okay. Because you should be going to the bathroom at every least day. every day, right? Right. Uh, either every other day. But if you're only going once or twice a week, okay, then you got something. Wow, wrong. that's something wrong with that, right? Right. Wow. You know, well, first of all, you might not be drinking enough water and enough fiber in your food. So, okay, so if that's happening, well, let me change that. Let me drink more water. Let me increase my fiber. And if that happens and it doesn't change, then you need to go and discuss it with your doctor. You know, I've changed this and that, but it's still the same. Now, that's just stuff that we don't talk about. about, You know, having regular bowel movements, you know, and a good bowel movement that cleans your system. Uh, You know, we just don't don't And another sign of symptom is that you... After you've gone to the bathroom, you still feel like you got to go mm-hmm. all the time. If you feel like you have to go to the bathroom all the time or you didn't feel like you emptied and you still have more left in there, which is also can be one of the signs and symptoms on the colon cancer also. Wow. You always got to feel like you got to go to the you bathroom. You always feel like you got to go to the and bathroom. And it's not diarrhea, but you always feel like you got to go to the bathroom. Wow. Are, you not, are you not completely emptying when you go? And then the other one is stomach pains and and stuff around the abdominal area. Those could also be symptoms of it as well. Right. And if you're constipated, you can, if you lay down flat, you can feel your colon starts right where your appendix is at. That's where it comes out from the small bowel. And it goes up, which is called the ascending, and then it goes across, transverse, and it goes back down. Then it makes a little S shape, and then it comes back out. So if you're constipated and you lay down there and just breathe, you can feel little hard areas where you need to go to the bathroom. Mm. Or if your stomach is cramping, you can feel where you need to go to the bathroom. Wow, that's great information. <laughs> that's great information, y'all. That's great. That's great information. Now, what is, now, let me go, go back to, what is a polyp? Okay, a polyp is an overgrowth of the cell, the first lining of your intestines where the mucous glands uh, lubricate the colon and the rectum. It can overgrow. And they can be flat polyps, which is why we want to, when you have the prep, to make sure you're really clean. Because if you're not clean and we're flushing with water and, and suctioning out trying to see what we need to see, you can overlook the flat polyps, which mm-hmm. most of the times can be the cancerous polyps. So you have flat polyps. Then you have the little polyps that uh, on a little stem, like a little bulb on the stem. Mm-hmm. That's where I see that one. Right. Mm-hmm. Those, huh? And then you have some that looks like, uh, how you want to say it? Um, a whole lot of little, um, good example. Mm, oh, in those, uh, like a whole bunch of little tubes, okay? And if it's cancerous, it might be all big one bulb and all overgrown and just horrible looking, okay? Uh, and it, it can be hard. 
because the doctor will poke it with the uh, forceps and see if it's soft or if it's hard. And if it's most of the time, if it's hard, it's going to be cancerous. Mm. And if you have a lot of polyps when you go in, and we we'll try to biopsy all of them because one may be cancerous and one not have grown into it. But if you have a polyp and you don't go get it taken out, and it continues to grow, and as it continues to grow, it grows further into the lining of your colon. By the time it gets all the way through and it gets into the blood vessels and the lymph system, and it travels throughout your body. So you can have colon cancer cells in your lungs. You can have colon cancer cells in your liver. So it's just not like lung cancer from smoking. You can have lung cancer from other cells that travel through the lymph system through your body. So it will spread. And a friend of mine, she had colon cancer, ended up in her bones. So once it gets through that last layer and starts getting into your blood and lymph systems, it could travel throughout your body and be set up shop anywhere. Now, that's when it's been there for a long time, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's been there for a minute when that happens. Right. So we want to get to you before you even get to that part. You know, we don't want it to get comfortable and start growing into a community and having all kinds of sites of foreign. So we want to get it when it first starts. So once you get it and it first starts and you take that polyp out, you're okay. You know, and if they comes back negative, you're really okay. But if you don't go and you know, it keeps growing and growing, then you're going to have a problem. I, I, I think this is um, a very, very insightful uh, podcast because I think that while we have talked a lot about men, uh, you know, the numbers say that it affects women just as well as it does men. I want to encourage you, um, and I'm going to give you a second here just a little bit, since Paula, to kind of look into that camera and kind of tell people what they need to do. But I think this is a very real issue that has gone under the radar for quite some time. And even in my just limited research for this podcast, uh, my eyes have been opened in a way uh, that it was not before. And so um, just being on the side of just being cautious, because you want to be in the best health that you possibly can. Because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm of the opinion that God gives you the quantity of days but you determine the quality of those days. Right. Like God gives you the set number of days and whatever that day is, you're not going to pass it. But you get to determine the quality of that life. And so as we're getting older and our kids are getting older and we want to see ourselves playing with our grandkids and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. If your health is not in order, um, I don't care what God has for you. The plans will be subverted because your body won't be able to keep up with it. And so I think this is very, very important. I want to personally thank you because as I started looking at this and I'm able to name people in my own circle here at the church that have been affected by colon cancer and and how it has kind of flown under the radar for so long. And the numbers are just astronomical that uh, more attention is not being put toward this than what it actually is. So I want to commend you for the work that you're doing. Um, and commend you for staying the course because this does need to get out there. And so I want to turn to these cameras and tell all the people that are watching, those who have subscribed, those who follow us, uh, you need to be tested for colon cancer. If you're able to, if you're at the age of 45 and above, right? right? You need to be tested for colon cancer. To my men, I'll let you talk to the women. I'm going to talk to the men. Uh, Men, our lives depend on it. Uh, I understand the anxiety, but if there's no need for the anxiety, you shouldn't be worried. Uh, We need to go and get this test done for the safety of not only us, but for our families as well. 
And so it's very, very simple. Go to your PCP and, and get this test done if you are 45 years old and older. I believe it's something. And you want to hear those magical words, it has come back negative, right? right. Uh, you you uh, you want to hear those words. I, Pastor Holman, will be doing that next month uh, as I go and visit my PCP. I will be getting that test done. I will start that particular procedure, and I will keep you updated on the process. I want to lead by example, so I'm giving you my word uh, that I will have that test done next week. And I would never have had that test done had you not been at the church on Sunday. Okay. So one in 23 men get colon cancer and one in 25 of the women get colon no, no, cancer. No, 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 no. You said one in 23. <laughs> one in 23 men. So if it's 23 men in the room, one of them got colon That's cancer. That's right. <laughs> That's just how serious it is that nobody's paying attention. So one in 23 men, one in 25 women. And men, you know how many men, men we got here? I know. And 30, <laughs> 35 to 40% more men would get it than women. Okay, so men get it more than women. So you said one in 23 men get it and mm-hmm. one in 25 women. Right. <laughs> okay. So there's a website. Go to www.cancer.org, and there's going to be a list of uh, alphabets, A through Z. So go under the C, look for colon cancer, and they have everything on there from statistics, uh, what cancer is about, uh, what does what does it Pathology report says when you when the test comes back, uh, questions that you used to ask your doctor, and there's a live chat available. So they have live chat, so you can you know chat with somebody, text in, and things like that. They can help you. There's doctors on there, oncology nurses. They have journalists and editorials that write things from the Cancer Society on there. So it's that's a very very good site, and then they have free um, information and, and pamphlets and things like that that you can subscribe and get for. So, um, Sister Paul, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes here, um, but I I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, that if somebody does get the dreaded three words, you mm-hmm. have cancer, mm-hmm. uh, you have it. Life is not over, right? No. Life is not over. So if you've uh, heard those dreaded three words, uh, if you've known anybody, and I've known more than a few that have had it and have watched that process kind of take its course, uh, it's a very painful thing to be a part of. Uh, so if you've if if you've gotten that diagnosis, um, and somebody's watching and they've they've heard those dreaded three words, mm-hmm. how would you encourage them after hearing that? Um, well, we usually tell our patients. Well, we watch the doctors' interactions with the patients, and a lot of patients, how did they don't ask doctors questions that they should. They wait till the doctor walks out the room and they ask us. So uh, we tell them, okay, so it's not over. You're not in this alone. Everybody is here to help you from the doctor, the nutritionist, the social worker, everything. We can get together with you and your family members, your support system, your caregivers. So we got to try to look for your support system. If you're going to have to have um, chemotherapy, surgery, or radiation therapy, uh, it depends on what stage you're at and what you have. So let's take it one step at a time. Okay, so you have it. Let's find out what stage you're at and what do you have, Okay. Uh, next after that, okay, do you need surgery? So you have to have all the uh, backup for surgery. You're going to have to have family support members. You have to make sure that you stick to your routine, take care of yourself. Because if you sometimes you might have a temporary colostomy where they'll take part of your colon out mm. and, uh, and they'll leave an p- opening where you can go into a bag. And that's wow. the, right. Yeah, your stool will go into this bag. 
And if it's after so many months, it's like they might connect you back up. But sometimes you can have a permanent colonoscopy. Wow. Or sometimes they can just connect you right then when you're having surgery. So there's a lot of things that can happen. You may not have to have chemotherapy or surgery or radiation therapy. But when that part comes, do you need to discuss, okay, where is my support system? Who's going to be here for me so that you not feel like you? Because when you feel like you're all along and you don't have family members, then it's really going to be traumatic for you. But there's always somebody that's not in your family that's always there to support you. Okay. Um, everybody, listen. <laughs> um, I, I want to I say this as best I know how to all of those who are watching, tuning in from whatever way that you're doing it. Um, to to you know the, the Bible says that my par- my people perish because of a lack of knowledge, um, and a lot of stuff that's killing us is killing us because we just don't know. We're kind of going along to get along, and as long as everything is kind of okay, we're okay. Uh, but everybody, I want to encourage you in Jesus' name that we got to get out ahead of this stuff because you know walking around with a bag and doing all those other things. When we can do some preventative measures on our side to kind of curtail these things before it gets to that point, I think we need to do our due diligence in making sure that we do that. So the first thing would be testing. Um, The second thing, which is important to me, is I think that we need to make sure that we absolutely look over our diet and our intake. Uh, Everybody, we got to do better with the way that we eat and the way that we live Uh, We got to eat cleaner stuff. We got to get more active so that we can take care of these temples that God has given us. You only get one body. Right. You don't get to trade it in. And Uh, everything is not replaceable in your body. It's not replaceable. (laughs) You won't get a glorified body until you get to the other side of glory. So you got to take care of this one while you got it. And so I want to personally thank you because this has yielded some great benefit to me. It has further solidified what I have to do personally in my own life in regards to making sure that I'm taking care of myself for the benefit of myself and for my family. Uh, So I want to thank you in that regard. But I want you to look right here into your camera and I want you to give the people some information. You got a little sign up there about what they can do in regards to Colon Cancer Awareness Month. Um. Talk to everybody. Talk to your, your family, coworkers. I, I, when I fly on the airplane, going back home today, the person sitting next to me, I'm going to talk to them about colon cancer. Mm. Okay. Uh, wherever I go, especially with the month of March, and somebody asks me, why are you in blue or what is this here for? And I explain it's about colon cancer. Because nobody knows that colon cancer, March is Colon Cancer Awareness Month. Um, um, March, I have a T-shirt that says, you know, March is colon cancer. But for me, I do January, February, all the rest of the mm. months, okay. So I have a T-shirt on and I said, my God, it's not afraid of colon cancer. Wow. So um, in the stores, people be shopping, and I see somebody over in the meat section, and they got four or five steaks. Okay, so is that for one night? Do you have a large family? I said, I'm, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm doing colon cancer awareness. I see that you have a lot of red meat. Is that for the month? Is that for the week or is that for the day? You're not saying that you can't eat red meat, but, you know, more than three times a week, you know, it's not good. Okay, so you got fish out there. You got chicken out there. Tuna and salmon are very good. Okay. Now, don't they say steak takes the longest to pass through your system? Right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. And also, your, your stool will smell and look different when you eat red meats. Wow. So, you know, that look back in the... Also comes with that. Wow. 
So, Miss So, I want us to stop <laughs> reacting and be proactive. That's a good word. Stop reacting and be proactive. But time you react, it's too late. Okay. So, we want to be proactive. Let's get ahead of it. We have never been so um, proactive in, you know, diabetes. Okay. So, you're going to eat well so that you're going to get diabetes unless you, you know, inherit it. Okay. Heart issues, okay, you can prevent that, how you eat, exercise, and things like that. So a lot of things are proactive now, which more insurance companies now are focusing on getting their patients proactive because it's costing so much to treat them once yeah. they have it. Yeah. So they got on board with making sure that the primary care physician's like, okay, this patient needs this test, this needs to be done and follow up. So you want to make sure, and a lot of insurance companies have this wellness program that you enroll in, and they'll give you uh, points and benefits, and some of them like have the little, um, money thing that at the, goes mm-hmm. to So mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that they're trying to get out there to get the person healthy because it's causing a burden on the whole country. So they've everyday. decided that right. it's financially to, better. That, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, they're looking at your health, but they're looking at it from a yeah. money point of view. Okay, yeah. so if I get this person staying healthy, I'm not going to have to put out so much That money. is a good word. So, wow. Um. Miss Paula, let me tell you, this has been a, uh, I, I'm, to those who are watching, um, as Miss Paula said, you need to talk to everybody, get the awareness out there, like and share this, uh, this podcast, get it to, to all of your friends. Uh, I want to thank you, uh, everybody. We're over 3,000 subscribers now, and I want to continue to encourage you uh, to tune in to Studio B. We want to make sure that we're bringing content like this that'll help you in your everyday practical life. I want to give you a big shout out. <laughs> Um, because, you know, I, I, I go down when something is alluring to me and captures my attention. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm like that little beagle that just continues to start scratching because I want to learn more and more and more and more. And this is um, some fascinating um, information that needs to be getting out to the masses. And so, everybody, there's some stuff that we can do. Let's get on it. Let's make sure that we are doing our due diligence. Uh, God has given us a body, but he's given us the ability to take care of it. And so I want to make sure that we're taking care, crossing T's and dotting I's to the best of our ability. And, Miss Paul, I want to give you one last word if you want to give to the people out there that you want to leave them with. Okay, some prevention tips. If you're 45 or older, schedule a colon screening and actually go to the appointment. I mean, we can make appointments, but don't go to them. But That's actually right. go to the appointment. Go to a doctor if you have any colon cancer symptoms. Eat a balanced diet. High-fiber diets have shown a pr- protective effect. Maintain a healthy weight. Maintain an active lifestyle. Get out there and walk. You don't have to join Planet Fitness and everybody else. Just get in out there and walk. Learn your family medical history. Consider genetic counseling if your doctor, excuse me, if someone from your family is, is known to have uh, colon cancer, okay? And don't smoke because smoke transplants carcinogenesis to the colon. Everybody, Colon Cancer Awareness Month is March. Um, the ribbon is blue. The ribbon is blue. Um, let's get out there and get ahead of this. I'm going to put this on so that I can uh, do that. Uh, but everybody, I want to encourage you to get out there and take these tests. Um, get out there and get ahead of the curve. It's very, 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 very important. Um, and everybody, again, you know, you can only do what your body allows. Uh, when your body turns on you, it's a very hard thing to take. 
Um, when the body turns against itself, it's just very difficult to watch that go on. And so let's make sure that we're staying ahead of the curve. National Colon Cancer Awareness Month is March, and it's screenforcolancancer.org is where you can go to get some more information, and cancer.org as well. Right. Cancer.org as well. Let's get that information out to everybody and anybody that we possibly can. Like, share, follow, subscribe so that you don't miss one single episode of hear what's going on on set of Studio B. Miss Paula Gathers, who is from the, where are you from in Louisiana? I live in Harvey. In Harvey, Louisiana, which is right outside, if I'm correct, because when we go down there, we go to Abbeville. You're close to Abbeville, right? Where are you I'm at? about two and a half hours from Abbeville. So are you close to the Baton Rouge? Where oh, you yeah, at? I'm closer to Baton Rouge than I am to Abbeville. Okay. So you're in Harvey, Louisiana. And that's where you've been all your life? No. Where you been? Um, grew up in Texas. Went in so the why'd military. you leave? Uh, left, I left Texas because I joined the military. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm learning more and more. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I left Texas because I actually I started nursing school in Galveston, Texas. They had an associate degree program. But, you know, I was out there partying, hanging out, and not really, <laughs> I'm not really focusing, and I'm like, okay. So I said, okay, you need to do something. So I dropped out, I want to say, Eight weeks before graduation because I, I just really wasn't focused and I didn't think I was going to pass the boards and things like that. So I jumped out and went into the Navy, became a medic in the Navy. After the Navy, then I went to nursing school in Howard University. And after Howard University, I got married to an Air Force guy. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, and, you know, traveled. So I was, you know, nursing overseas in Guam. And so I've been licensed in six states and plus overseas. And I relocated to New Orleans when I was... Um, Getting a divorce, so I relocated to New Orleans, and, and I that's said, where uh, <laughs> that's where people are. That's where Chanel is from. Ch- Chanel yeah, is yeah. from the, the okay, okay. Yeah, okay. And now you're getting ready to go to Korea. Yes. Next month. Yes. Uh, wow. And your son is in Korea. Yeah, my youngest son is stationed in Korea. He's stationed in Korea. Wow, wow. Um, this has been very, very <laughs> insightful. Uh, thank you for taking the invitation. Thank you for coming. Uh, this is valuable, valuable, valuable information. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I believe that some people that are watching right now will be impacted for the better and hopefully will go out and do the necessary steps that they need to take in order to maintain their lifestyle. Yeah, even though I'm retired, I still carry that torch because we need to get colon cancer awareness out there. That's a good word. Everybody, God is able. God is good. Um, his faithfulness endures. I want to make sure that I always encourage you that no matter what you may be going through at this particular time in your life, God said that he will never leave you nor forsake you. I want to always encourage you with those words because life can get hard sometimes, but God is greater than any and everything that you'll go through. So until we see you guys next week, thank you for joining us here on the set of Studio B. Y'all be blessed.